0: I like to know how things work. I guess that's the, the engineering background in me. Um, I want to know how things work. I want to know why, you know, if you do this and this and this, why, that's why it tastes like that.
1: Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. Our guest today didn't realize he was a lover of rum until he was sipping it at his first rum fest. His wife's comment, wouldn't it be fun to go to the rum fest in London for the weekend, changed everything for him. Now, Peter Holland has given his life over to this molasses-based spirit and has never looked back. He is the man behind thefloatingrumshack.com and now the brand ambassador for Old Fashion Week here in London. His love for rum just happened to coincide with his other love.
0: So, I was born down in Kent. Uh, a little uh, place called Ashford, uh, moved there very quickly to a tiny little village and the countryside called Hollingbourne, which is famous for nothing other than having the Channel Tunnel rail line driven straight through the middle of it. Um, but does moved it still exist? Then. Oh, the town does, yes, yeah, it's just I nicely think. bisected, or right. <laughs> the village does. Uh, it's a tiny little place, went there a little while ago. Um, moved at the age of seven to High Wycombe, which is just outside, sort of just west of London. Uh, which was fortuitous because that gives me access to London in an easy way, uh, which made things on the flame run track, made things a lot easier. But, so
1: nowhere uh, near the Caribbean.
0: Nowhere near the Caribbean. The clo- no, that's, uh, no, that's not quite true. Sure. I suppose uh, I moved to Bournemouth about three years ago, and that's, you know, I mean, that's by the sea. Right, um, exactly. We've we got this wet link between us, you know. we'll get there eventually, you start paddling, don't you? Um, it's pretty sunny down there. It's kind of Caribbean-like. So
1: I'm going to assume you weren't drinking rum yet while you were living there.
0: Uh, no, Bournemouth. No, we were already into it. Um, my rum journey starts in the the late 90s. Uh, so I'd actually mid 90s. I don't know. Things get a little hazy over the years. Uh, I met the lady who subsequently became my wife in the early 90s. Uh, she's English. Her mum's from Barbados. Her dad's from St Vincent. And so sort of going round to Pauline's mum and dad's at the weekend, you know, out comes a bottle of rum. On oh, Pete boy, do you want to drink some rum kind of thing. And uh, and that kind of got us into it. But at that point, living where we did, there was only Mount Gay Eclipse or Coxford, Bacardi, of course, Lambs, Captain Morgan, yeah. Um, not exactly a massive selection. I'm going to admit, yeah, we're going to talk about spice rum at some point. I'm going to have to get it out there. I've <laughs> drunk a lot of Captain Morgan spice in my youth. It happened, you know. Um, so
1: how old were you about this time when you so met your that, I, soon so, uh, wife? Well,
0: I was, you know, uh, early 20s, 21, 20, but, but 20. But you PR. had it. So this was like, so I'm 45, just okay. I'll throw that one out there. I've been out for a little bit, you know, my youthful looks, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so i would not really considered rum up until meeting Paulie. Um, and, and saying it was really kind of getting into it by to my dad's and social, not pretty uh, expansive, but 2008... Uh, rum takes a, a big turn because Ian Burrell's Rum Fest, that was the second year that the show had run. Uh, I, unfortunately, I missed the first one in 2007. I, I regret that. Um, but we went along a series of happy coincidences. My wife worked in business travel. There was a hotel opening. She got a complimentary two nights in London for a £10 a night at this new hotel. She's looking through time out. Oh, says there's a Rum Fest on. Should we go? Yeah, let's go down.
1: Okay, you're going way too fast now. All right, we need to way back up yet. a little. Okay,
0: we're not there yet. We are so
1: not there yet. So,
0: <laughs> that's before to be honest, meeting
1: that's your to-be wife, mm-hmm. okay, what were you doing? There must have been something other than rum in your life. So, um, what were your studies?
0: So, uh, so I studied uh, engineering. Um, yeah, I left school. Not sure exactly what I wanted to do, if I'm completely honest. Good at the sort of technical things, um, physics, maths, that kind of thing. Uh, the uh, career's advice says, want to do this, and you go, okay, right, I'll do it. You know, you sort of do a few things until you find your path. Mm-hmm. But that was, so that, that last, that was... Um,
1: uh, so what kind of engineering were so you So
0: mechanical engineering, yeah, yeah. Design engineering, so it was um, computer-aided design and manufacture was the first part. And then, you know, so it's mechanical side of things, and that led into, like, the first job, which was working at toolmaker's. So for plastic injection, yeah, making plastic injection mold tools.
1: Okay. So, nice. so you yeah, making stuff.
0: Very, very diverse. Uh-huh. Definitely not, you know, definitely nothing to do with the drinks. So you were chugging Whatever. along with that? Doing my thing, yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Met
1: your girl fr- soon to be girlfriend, soon-to-be yeah. girlfriend, then your wife. Yeah, and college, but, yeah. you go over to her house for the first time, and he plops, the father plops a bottle of rum. yeah. Yeah, and it's Mount Gay, you yeah, remember? Was Mount Gay yeah,
0: that was, and uh, w- that was were you a things. rum
1: drinker before that?
0: God, no. No? No, no, no. cider lager at, <laughs> at best a proper you know. brit. honestly yeah a proper brit and my, my waistline uh, has never recovered if i'm honest um it's i would definitely not a technical yeah you know, uh, there was nothing classy about my drinking back then it was all very basic and uh, and i wouldn't say i was particularly good at it a few pints in I'll, so i know this is a while over.
1: i know this is a while ago but do you remember taking the first sip or going oh i'll try this wrong
0: probably uh, the first sip was probably mixed uh, probably with cola, because uh, I can't imagine what else it would have been back then. Uh, drinking rum neat didn't come along for a little bit later. In fact, again, I've got to blame blame not the right word. I've okay. got to suggest that was Pauline's fault to a certain extent thank, because thank Pauline. thank Pauline for that. Yeah, because I mean she was she was sort of drinking. And brandy, neat, yeah. You know, uh, and and I was thinking, well, yeah, how come she's, why is she drinking spirits, neat? I never got into it, you know. I never got into it at that point. But it's, it was, it was, the, it was rum fest that changed that because the rums I was drinking back at uh, the beginning at home, we were just drinking them mixed, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah, lousy homemade cocktails and, uh, and, uh, and 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 drowned in mixer.
1: But you liked it enough that when she said, "Let's go to a rum fest," it didn't seem too. So, so, uh, there is,
0: so there is, so there's there's, a, there's, there's a few strands that are going to kind of come together a little bit on this. We've been on holidays in the Caribbean and places, because I mean, yeah, there are, I suppose there are a, f- a few threads that sort of come together. So we've, yeah, when we've been sitting, uh, for example, in Antigua, we're sitting in English Harbour, and we're looking at these huge, 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 uh, English Harbour, Nelson's Dockyard, I beg your pardon, that was the rum we were drinking, <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting there looking at these huge boats and thinking, God, you know, we're... When we're rich, when we make our first million, we're going to get a boat just like that. And we're, we're going to call it the floating rum shack or something stupid like that. And that's actually genuinely where the way for the website came from. Um, but all these things have been going along. And eventually, you know, this is, you know, life was hard. It was a little emotional at times, time, a little bit stressful. Um, and we just wanted to do something completely different. We said, right, that's it. We're drawing a line under it. No more. No more emotional energy to be expended. Um, we'll... We want a hobby, I want something let 's create a website let's just do something' like let's just write about why is it that <laughs> sorry, Bacardi, but why is it that every damn bar and restaurant thing we go into there's always Bacardi like you know why is it always where is it always there and that was almost like our mission statement originally you yeah, know was like we let's let's do something about this didn 't get around and do anything with it we'd registered the website August two thousand and eight um and it wasn't until two thousand and nine, February two thousand nine, we actually started blogging. So that sort of sums me up in many respects.
1: So you had been going to the Caribbean, you had been drinking. We
0: had been, around. we had, been, we the had been traveling around
1: to ha- to go to this. But it had fest. never
0: kind of like the Caribbean is the connection with like yeah, with Pauline and, and the family. And I mean, my idea of a holiday is a warm place, a beach, you know, somewhere mm. to chill. The, the day job was quite stressful, and it, you know, the, the ability to unwind or the need to unwind actually was was really quite important. So. Rum have been there, we've, yeah, we've been to Barbados a few times, that's where I went on my honeymoon in 2000, Yeah, it was, um, it it was a thing, you know, but there was no real connection, it wasn't really until all these sort of things come together, so we've got a West Indian background, wife, family kind of thing, we've got, you know, a a spirit I quite enjoy drinking, you know, especially mixed, I love love a rum coat, I still do, Uh, but made properly, I'll just hesitate to say, um yeah we've got we've got kind of, this kind of background the history with it and then we're going and then we say then it's the Inns show but just tick the box we knew about rum from barbados and from places we've been to but i didn't realize quite how diverse rum was and the fact that it was literally rum from all around the world at the show and that first day was something of a penny drop moment. Um, and it, to be fair, it also feels kind of fortuitous in many respects because the people that we were meeting at the show, I mean, there's like, there's a few people I can honestly say have had a massive impact on our lives. One's Jim Wrigley from uh, at the time who, I mean, he's a, a legend in the bar world these days. Um, at the time he was working for Santa Teresa. Um, and, uh, he invited us to a launch for, for an events and that came off the first day. I must've been a, a little, um, I it's that combination of being just drunk enough to be loquacious, um, but but also persuasive. I'm going around saying, like, oh, we're starting a blog, and, you know, we want to talk about rum and things. And he goes, like, oh, we should come along to the launch. I hadn't got a blog at that point, but, like, you know, the, the rum you festival. had a name. It had a name. Right. It was definitely registered. Yeah, so it was definitely there. It was like a holding page, nothing else. Um, yeah, that was October, the rum festival. We went to this launch in November, come Away with a goodie bag with a bottle of rum, and it was selecto had been launched at the time and happened to win the throw your business card in the hat kind of thing. One top prize on that, which was a bottle of bicenteniaro, which was pretty awesome, you know. And and it's sort of so, so straight away, think, oh, it feels like it feels like there's a there's a world to be kind of explored here. I mean, I didn't know (laughs) Venezuela were making rum or anything, you know, at the time. Um, but it was also cool that there was there was a scene to tap into living just outside London. I really didn't even know. You know, it was, you know, I'm a, a little naive. I, I am naive. There's no two ways about it. But there was that, and then just into the new year, we said we started going to rum clubs at Trailer Happiness. I've got a lot of love for Trailer Happiness. Without the rum clubs that were held there, and um, we've been, you know, we but you're going, still you know, coming yeah, back and yeah. forth
1: from from, from Bournemouth.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, from High Wycombe. I was oh, living for, in oh, High Bournemouth so was uh-huh. only a few years ago. We moved. Okay. Out. Um, yeah, we're popping into London, going for rum clubs. Rob Burr. uh, I've become connected with this gentleman on uh, on Facebook, and he was launching the very first Miami Run Festival. So that was in two thousand and nine. We thought, let's 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 go there. Pauline again working in travel. Yeah, Pauline. This is a crazy question, but just how cheaply do you think you can get us to Miami and back for a (laughs) for for a long weekend, as it were? You know, and and, uh, and so we flew out on the Thursday, came back on the Tuesday. Had an absolute blast. The first Rum Festival uh, in Miami was based down on, on South And then Beach, I
1: guess you, you knew some you know? people there. so oh, that's you're, it. Yeah. So some of the
0: people we saw in London at the show, you know, we've been new there. Then we were meeting in Miami. And, of course, then, you know, so a brand sees you there and they see you on a, you know, an entirely different country. They sort of kind of think, well, maybe these guys are serious, you know. And so we've been lucky. We've been given a lot of access. And I say we, Paul and I have done this thing together um, and that's probably also the secret of our success, because if you're doing it, I was doing it on my own, without a supportive partner, oh my goodness, I, don't, I can't see how it could have lasted. But, you know, so we're doing this thing together, we've, we've got nothing to hold us back, we're traveling around, seeing things, going to different parts of the world. So um, how about the, you know? the
1: FloatingRumShack.com?
0: So the FloatingRumShack.com, Say so it launched, I, I was going to this very first, uh, very first uh, rum club uh, trailer. Um, it was meant to have been in January, the rum club, the, the snow had come down and, and they'd had to put it off so they put it on to february jenny gardner again she was working at vanquish runs um wonderful lady uh saint nicholas abbey i remember it all very well uh, saint nicholas abbey rum uh, and she actually is hilarious because not many people do this at the beginning of rum clubs we're all kind of sitting around it's almost like an aa meeting um and she's getting people to introduce themselves what's your thing so it goes like well i'm a blogger and i could say that quite honestly at that point because the night before I thought, right, I've got to build something. I I, I literally threw together the the, the free template and I threw some things and I whipped up two quick articles put on there. I wasn't a liar. I definitely blogged before I got to this thing to to carry on this masquerade that I was a blogger. Um, Of the people we met there, uh, I'm still in contact with uh, a lot of them. Um, Well, you you know, you think,
1: I can say I'm a blogger now, but this is 2018, 2009 there weren't very many bloggers many. and certainly not in the alcohol space
0: exactly there's there's um, I have to say most of the people that um, I sort of followed online I, there's was a big website called the Ministry of rum and, and, and whilst it is the source of information which I looked at mostly it was about forums and things like that and I've never really been a forum person I'm, I'm terrible in many respects yeah. I just don't, I don't care um, I prefer to find my own answers and, and especially when it comes to tasting Um but there was, there was people and there was like Mike Streeter running rumconnection.com and uh, Matt Robold running Rum Dude. And, uh, and But there was a, uh, there was a gentleman, Tattoo Carlos, who was running Refined Vices as well. And these were sort of three websites that I could kind of look up to. But there wasn't really anyone in the UK doing anything. There was, there was a Dark Rum blog. I don't, I don't know where he was based sort of further mm-hmm. up. You know And so I, I, I suppose in terms of the UK, I was kind of lucky. I was the first person to really kind of take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And it was that kickstart, that very first rum club. Get home, i'll write it up and that become the style for the early days anyone trying to find that on the website is going to struggle to find it is i've made some very bad web decisions over the years <laughs> no. and, I, and i you know I I, I,
1: I I wanted to look at the first one and i couldn't find it <laughs> I, I, I
0: can point you in the direction It's terrible honestly <laughs> i am right. the, i am the worst i am the worst i really am if only i had the money to get somebody to do the website for me professionally yeah, it would have been a whole different story but i just make that stuff up as i go along um but like so it was the style writing up rum clubs so you get to meet brand ambassadors. You get to meet the people in the industry. Trailers a fantastic bar. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, 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 uh, we'll be checking it out very soon. It's a wonderful bar. People come to it. It's got a reputation in the industry. It's for education, mm, for absolutely. run clubs, that kind of thing. And so over the years, you get to meet pretty much because everyone's coming to a single point, you know. So lots of different brands come in. So you meet people over the years. Going to cocktail competitions, you know, you get in, you know, can I come along and... Can I view? Yeah, come along and view. Ian was very good at this at the beginning. In Barrow, he, he, he was doing. I mean, I remember he was doing a thing with Bacardi, um, uh, da- Domino's and Daiquiris thing, and he did a series of events. You know, and this where it was might have been 2010, 2011. I don't know. My my mind is mm-hmm. not as sharp as it used to be for those sort of those sort of things. But Alexino, who used, who become like one of the greatest bartenders in the world when he's based at Artesian. I remember watching him in a cocktail competition at the Domino's and Daiquiri's event, you know, before he became big, you know, in, in all greatest respect to him, it was before he became big. And I remember Ian saying, like, this guy's going to be big one day, you know, he's winning lots of comms. And so you, I've kind of, I, I've sort of grown in the industry watching people develop, you know, coming good. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to, it sounds terribly boastful to say this, but I, I, I like to think I'm a, a good judge of character when I spot qualities within people. And you can always tell in the industry, the drinks industry, you, you just just stand out some people stand out and you're like keep an eye on that one because fairly soon they're going to be running their own chain of bars or whatever like that and they might just been a bartender at the time you know and you spot the good people and 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 I guess between Pauline and I going to these events Pauline has a very kind of personable she, you know she we will we'll be driving you know, in the car because we took it in turns to drive to these events you know it's very expensive going by train all the time it's also quite inconvenient we're we'll taking in turns so I'll be driving back and pulling again. Oh, did you know so-and-so, like, you know, she, he's got a, got a new girlfriend or so-and-so's having a baby or <laughs> something like that. And we get all these sort of details. And it's not necessarily about trying to get freebies or anything like that. We just get to know people. You know, the, the bartending world is is wonderful. There's some really cool people in it. And, and you know, I, I'm a little disconnected in some respects now. I don't know about the latest generation of people because I'm not in London as much as I, I was, uh, regrettably. But, you know, we've made some firm friends, and we just, we just kept blogging. And so, you know, as you referred to, the fact that no one was really blogging at that time, it wasn't really a thing. And so people were grateful. Uh, I, that's not quite the right word. I mean, they were, they were happy to see that I was writing up Rum Clubs because it was a way of recording it. And they have been quite useful. There's been conversations where we've, you know, we've gone back and yeah, there's a, there a question about rum and sugar that, uh, you know, that it's, it's a topic that goes on and on and on. But where I, I was able to go back and find that, like, march 2011 mm-hmm. yeah we talked about that in the run club so it's not like it's new now right. we were talking about it back then it's just like you know the the relevance or importance of the time didn't seem quite as critical as maybe it's become subsequently because it was the thin end of the wedge for all kinds of other revelations perhaps
1: how long do you think it took you before you really felt like you knew what you were talking about you know you had really become an authority
0: so that that's so uh so the I'm not the most confident of people. And so for a long time, it was just a hobby. Um, I remember um, Stephanie Holt, who was working for Eldorado at the time. And she, she was trying to get me to go down and do a run club at a, a location, just sort of Kent direction. And she said, you're more than ready for this, you know, just get on and do it. And I, at the time I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready. This is terrifying. You know, and the people at the bar were asking me to go along and do it, but I go, no, 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 no I'm not ready. I was just enjoying learning. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to know how things work. I guess that's the, the engineering background in me. Um, I want to know how things work. I want to know why, you know, if you do this and this and this, why, that's why it tastes like that. You know, it's, it's an analytical process to mm-hmm. me, which is why I, can, I, I, get, I, I have a, a healthy disregard for the more creative levels of marketing that are a bit fanciful I don't care whether it's age of the clouds, particularly mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, age of the clouds equals colder climate, right. equals lower evaporation rates. Makes more commercial no sense, so you don't lose so much story. No
1: rhetoric you know. for you. you yeah, just it's want like the you fast. know, there's a
0: reason for it. Right. They're doing it for a reason. They're not doing it for fanciful right. reasons. There's a thing, but you can you can dress it up in a story.
1: So, well, back to you. The so, did you do that rum club?
0: That one I didn't do, no. Um, and I, I, did you I, I, dabbled it I, you did I it? sort of, you know what? Yeah, I wish I would got going a bit sooner. Uh-huh. But you know, but I mean, I I'm, don't believe in karma particularly, but everything happens in its time. And you know, also balance against the fact that I'm still working uh-huh. full time. You know, we we're, we're we're doing as much in the world of rum as we can do, but we've kind of hit a bit of a glass ceiling in terms of every. Literally every day of holiday allocation is given over to some rum-related thing or other. You know, I'm I'm begging the, the boss at work, can I come in an hour early so I can get away an hour early so I can get into London? And, and it got to the point we were travelling to London two, three times a week. It's tiring, you mm-hmm. know, it's long, but you, you just literally, there's nothing more you can do. But I was enjoying learning, I was enjoying writing things up, <laughs> you know. And I have to say it, I'll have to admit it at some point, but when you have a blog, when you have social media channels, people send you stuff it's amazing like you know it's like wow we spent a lot of money developing our rum collection we were buying a lot and then the balance sort of shifted and people were like sending us a lot as well and you're like you know it's like fantastic actually i, I uh, there's one again this sounds like one of the most naive things but tattoo met uh Re- refined vices he was at R- rum fest i think the second one we went to i think it was the 2010 and i said to him like so how do you get like all these bottles for review and he goes like i just asked them i <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, that's complicated, isn't it? You know, <laughs> but now I, I, can't, I, think, I think things have changed because people sort of see. And it's going to sound like a grumpy old man kind of approach, but I see some people getting into it for the wrong reasons. We enjoyed yes. the we enjoyed the social crack. Mm. We enjoyed learning new things, you know, and, and it was a wonderful wonderful counter to the stresses of the day job, which just got more and more stressful, quite frankly. And it got more and more stressful right up until um, uh, you know I'm running the department of people. I've got no desire to manage people ever again. Thank you. I'm I'm quite happy being freelance. You know, it was, it it brought its own challenges. Um, Did you, big department, sorry, an American corporation bought the company. Yeah. No, I was going to say, did uh, you, I I just wanted to jump ship then because it got very corporate very quickly. (laughs) Um,
1: Did you see that this could be a possibility as work?
0: So, um, when I registered the website, Prior to It, so this is my thoughts right back in 2008. I actually genuinely, between Paul and I, we thought, what if we work very hard and develop something? Somebody might want to take it off of us at one point. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you could create a web presence. To be fair, it didn't take very long to realize that actually the floating rum shack without Pete Holland it's nothing more than a, a web domain. And so it actually isn't really worth anything right. at all. So as long as I was kind of part of it, so I could have, if I'd been more motivated to do some things, more confident, whatever, you know, we, we, there's all sorts of funny things we've been doing. I've had people over the, all over the years saying, you should be doing video content, you should be doing, you know, all the rest of it, doing podcasts, Yeah,
1: Watch <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so there's all sorts of things we could have been doing, but it was, you know, and I realised that it wasn't necessarily a saleable thing. However, Mike Streeter, RumConnection.com, you know, there's these, these three guys. I, I, I love their websites. I love the style. They're all different, offering something different. And I kind of took them as an inspiration. We met Mike out in Miami. There was, a, the, I think it was the second rum festival we went out for. Um, we really only spoken via email a couple of times. Um, he lived down in Key West. We ended up catching up. The following year when we went out to Miami, again, we're doing this annually, you know, it's become a thing. Uh, we went down to Key West to go and see him. He was a guy that was living full-time in rum at that point and so mike has always been a few years ahead of me of where i kind of wanted to be if you know what i mean but i knew that it's possible to go full-time in rum if you can build an appropriate model around you of, of something that's commercially viable you know it's are you giving the brand it, you know and and this is it, it, it's absolutely i've always thought of the and rum track really wants to be something it's that it's that it's that uh Quote on um, on layer cake where uh, Michael Gambon says uh, it's like you know the art the art of good business has been a good middleman. Sorry, Daniel Craig says you know, and it's about the floating rum shack's been that middleman kind of thing. I've always thought you know what if we give if we put interesting content on there, that's something that people want to read, but then brands would want to sort of contribute to it. So it's that the the website was the middleman kind of thing, you know, and and so it it did feel like there was going to be a future to it, but. The, the day job was holding me back. Uh, it made me um, quite low for quite a long time, uh, depression and things. So it kind of, it was it was difficult to get by it. But this this whole thing, 2013, so this, you know, big corporation bought it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it our way. It's like even just the procurement systems, like, I just don't fancy this. I've, I've gone from, you know, having a reasonable amount of autonomy and flexibility to being, I've got to ask permission to go and blow me nose. Yeah. So... I was a little lucky I had a little bit of money Invested in the company I was able to draw that back out Into the shares Cash that in as it were And and, and go full time But I, I left with Little more of a plan Than I want to do this I had no idea exactly How it was going to manifest And it took a few To be fair It took a few months To kind of calm down And get my head straight um, So it wasn't really Until 2014 That things sort of Went full time But I've been Going from one job To another Various projects And things ever since But it's, it's Everything I do Has been Has been was really was sparked by the fact that rum has got this amazing diversity um and that was Ian's rum festival i've not missed a single day of rum fest ever since you know that's that's a lot of two day events including boutique rum fest um i missed a few miami ones but i've been to other ones germany and rome and all kinds of places um there's history there's diverse there's diversity but it's also how people interpret that so Remembering where I came from, remembering i, I do I, you know i don 't come from the other side of the bar i 'm the consumer side of the bar and that 's an important thing for me to remember you know when people ask me you know about spice rum or, or whatever it is that there's always i, I think from a, from a consumer 's point of view it gets more and more difficult as years go by because i work in, I work in the industry I am the industry uh, for want a better word these days but you know I, I, I want people to yeah you know, I want to be that guy who helps somebody who's just getting out, just getting started. I want to feel like we can, you know, I can offer them something. My tastes and things have developed over the years. But, you know, you got to remember where you come from.
1: So if someone like me um, at 20 or comes to, to your, say you're at, at a rum fest, how do you bring them into rum? Like... How would you educate someone in rum?
0: So I think, the, um, I think the, the simple answer is that if they've come to a rum festival, then they're probably already fairly motivated in the first place. So you've already got them. They're a self-selected person. Um, the events where you can turn people on, are where you're a more general kind of uh, you know food and drink festival, where there's all kinds of spirits. Uh-huh. And I love it when someone says, I don't like rum. <laughs> right, in that case, get over it. And I like it. And to be fair, I really like it at rum festivals, and they, people say, oh, I don't like white rum. Or something like that. Or I only Uh, drink spiced rum. Or I only drink spiced rum. That's cool. That's good. We've got a point. We've got a foothold. We can work with it. Especially because if people say they don't like white rum, it's like we've just not been drinking the right one yet because there's Mm -hmm. lots out there, you know. Um, There isn't another spirit category that is as diverse as rum. There is truly a rum for everyone, you know. But but why stick with, you know, I mean, you you might ask me, why not diversify into other categories, other spirit categories and things? Well, you know. Rum is a lifestyle choice still. It, it still makes me very happy to be associated with rum, you know. There's lots to it, lots to it. So, um, yeah, so how do I, how, how do you work with people? How do you draw them in? Um, sometimes it's just conversations. I've done all kinds of random events over the years. I've done, like, from office parties for, like, you know, you, you know, sort of pre-Christmas go along bring some rum down and do a, a light sort of fun talk about rum, gets get people nicely plastered before they head off out for their evening kind of thing, in a responsible way, I should just say. Um... Yeah, there's all sorts. And and sometimes people just say, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I still prefer whiskey. That's fine. Well, you, you know, everyone likes what they like. But, you know, but, but switching people on to something new, and especially if you understand why it tastes the way it does, you know, it means you can make more informed decisions kind of going forward. So I, I kind of want to, you know, I don't want to tell people what they like. That That's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, you know... Sunday afternoon at Pauline's mum and dad's. This is still the case now. You'll you'll have people round there from Trinidad, from from Grenada, St. Vincent, Barbados, Jamaica, and and every one of those people from those islands, you know, and they are probably from the islands. You know, they they grew up in the islands and moved to the UK. Um, they'll all think the rum from their island is the superior rum. Obviously, you know, right, and so you know, I mean, you know, who am, and who am I to say your rum's rubbish? You know, it, it does seem disingenuous. I don't, I think it's a little unfair. So that kind of attitude kind of sticks with. And I'd rather I'd rather maintain a sense of enthusiasm. And maybe, you know, maybe we can turn some spice rum drinkers into authentic rum drinkers. You know, maybe we can bring them on. But, like, also I know my own progression as well. I mean, there's lots of jokes and, and things about, you know, where you start. But, I mean, I did drink an awful lot of Captain Morgan spice, you know, with Coke. I, I, can't, I can't even think of doing that now. It's like if my teeth are tingling, at the thought of it. And I like a rum <laughs> and Coke, you know. But it's... It, but you start, everyone starts somewhere. You know, my, my palate's moved on to probably way beyond where most rum people are in the, in the market. I drink stuff that's a little out there these days. Um, you know, and, and, I, and, and equally when I'm sampling that rum to people and I, I see the look on their face and they, they, they're wincing a bit as they're trying to put it down and, and they're trying to be nice and they're trying to say, yeah, this is really great. But actually they're really hating what I'm just <laughs> really Like you know. So, you know, there's got to be somewhere for it. You yeah. know, There's got to be somewhere where you've got to feel comfortable, you know. I mean, there's, I don't know... This is not meant to be a political thing or anything, but like right now, the world feels like we've taken a step backwards in some respects, and you know, and and I and I don't feel very happy about that. But, so we should feel good about some things, and if you know what, if drinking a sweet rum or spiced rum and coke makes you happy, that's fine. That that's a that's a low low thing to worry about on the scale of stuff. So yeah, if that makes you happy, good, run with it.
1: Now, it was kind of a trick question when I asked you about if, you were to, if I were to come up to you and how would you educate me? Because you obviously are an authority. You speak as if you are an authority. You know a lot. When you quit your job mm-hmm. in 2013 mm-hmm. and said, this rum thing is for me, mm-hmm. did you feel that you had a lot of education left in you? I mean, obviously we're learning something new every day, oh, gotcha. but, or Definitely. did you feel I am ready for this? I, were you as confident then as you are now?
0: Um, it's funny you, you, for me, no, the education really, really doesn't stop. Um, you know, last week I was doing, I was lucky enough. Again, this is part of the connections. If I wasn't, if I hadn't got to where I got, I got to right now, then invitations to be involved with things don't come along. And, and the set, the, the, WC, the Wine, and Edu, Wine Education Spirits Trust, or whatever, yeah. whichever way around it is, you know, um, are running a pilot for their Level 3 in Spirits. So, you know, they've got, to, they've got to plan it. They've got to run it in a mock form before they release it August in 2019. So I was invited to come along for that. And that was quite a challenge. But out of it, it's sort of made me realize that some things I didn't know well enough. And and it gave me a chance to refine the way I talk about them. And, and, you know, and so how I, how I share, I always, I always thought that I can take information and maybe break that down into sort of make it more manageable, make it more understandable. That's kind of, I think my style. So like listening at rum clubs, you, you, you know, you listen to all the bits and pieces and you share what's most important or what I think is most relevant to understanding why something tastes the way it does, why a brand is particularly, you know, trying to skip past that marketing angle. Um, or the creative marketing I think, let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, so looking for it, trying to keep keep it basics, and build out. You've got to really work with your audience. I mean, if you've never tried rum before, well, there's no point in going into the ins and outs of column distillation. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe it is good to understand that you know pot stills make a characterful spirit, and column stills can make a lighter, cleaner style of spirit. So maybe that is important. So that, you know, but we don't have to talk about reflux or number of plates and things like that. There's, there's levels of... But I say, it's the engineering me. I, I just love to know how stuff works. And so, so I, there is lots to learn. There, the world of rum actually has been developing in terms of the way it markets itself as I've been working in the world of rum as well. And that is not stopping right now. That, that Some of the things, I was very lucky to go to a um, uh, a taste in the other week where uh, a, a very interesting gentleman called Luca Gacano um, was unveiling Hampton Estate rum. It's a, a new line He's worked with the distillery in, in Jamaica. He's sort of unveiling it to the world, you know, into working with them. And he's all about authentic rum. This is pure pot steel, high ester, flavoursome rum. And and through its very launch, it's actually made the rum well better. You know, we've we've stepped up, we've got more diversity. It's not for everyone necessarily. The palates might not be attuned to it just yet, but that's you know, being in the market's good. He launched um yeah, so as part of the launch he, he shared some rums from his personal collection so I was blessed to try some of the Harewood House rum which dates from sort of like 1780 1780s uh, from Barbados uh, he pulled out a bottle yeah, I, I know uh, can you imagine like and, and here do you want drink to drink some of this <laughs> yeah get that down the throat. you know did it, and it was tasted and this amazing is, this
1: is probably a dumb question but did it tastes like the rum no. that we know today we, or was it a completely different spirit
0: the um the notion that rum in the old days was a hot hellish liquor uh, as sort of quoted in the things but the, this rum the Harewood House rum was anything but it was elegant and refined mm. it was a, the light one it, it was it was beautiful it, you know what I, I genuinely think if you would put it in into a someone's glass these days and not tell them the age you wouldn't necessarily have realised. Mm. but it was pot still only rum but beautifully made um Luca also pulled out some St James rum from the 1850s and some Bally from the 1929, um, as you know, as part of this thing and in Skeldon 1978.
1: Well, you um, work closely you know. with Foursquare Distillery. I do, correct? yeah,
0: absolutely, and they're, they're relatively speaking a modern distillery, mm-hmm. but it's kind of so. This, so there's lots of threads. It's not quite so easy to marshal the thoughts, but there's lots of threads that kind of come together. So Luca's someone who preaches about authenticity and rum. And it's not a concept as easy for some people to kind of get their head around because if if i rewind myself to when i started in rum the fact that it was rum in the loosest sense of the word was enough you know rum is fun it's like this is fantastic i'm trying all these new things from all around the world as my personal palate has developed there are some rums that i don't feel the need to drink these days because they're presented in a lighter style and i'm I'm chasing a, a more intense sip um Luca's one of these people that, that promotes this. Now, I only found out just recently that I don't know how long ago it was, even, it might have been 20 years ago, maybe but Luca was the first person to start talking about classification in rum in terms of English, French, Spanish styles of rum. Mm. Now I, I you know, all my time in rum, that's all I've oh, that's all I've kind of known about, and, it, it, and it's good, in some respects, but it also is a little weak, because, you know, Trinidad. Make rum using multi column systems, which you would consider to be like in a Spanish style. And in Venezuela, they're making rums at Dusa so using sort of pop still, column still, you know, so it's kind of like that's an English style. So, sort of, previous colonial uh, affiliation doesn't really dictate taste style, but it's sort of loosely groups and it's yeah. kind of useful. Um, he's on about that. We've got Richard Seals been talking about, you know, the, about the, the inadequacies in terms of sort of. Um, in how you, how you, how you, how uh, honesty in rum? Should we just put it that way? How much additions are going on in in rum? You know, you know how much sugar have been added? What other flavorings have been added? And from, color. color. Well, yeah. color is uh, colours a, a thing for me as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, how, how do you, you know, how much caramel are you adding to mm-hmm. this rum? You, know, you you um in the preamble we sort talk, of talked about kraken and things like that. Yeah, kraken isn't a thousand years old to be like that dark. You know, mm-hmm. it's just colored rum. You know, that's all there is to it. Um, yeah so there's there's various lines of thought and things that have been coming together Um, and part of working for Richard so when when you asked me would I do a little bit of um, brand work for him do bartender or retailer training you know it's part of it he wants me to spread the the message that his message now it happens that his message and my message are the way my education are kind of aligned so it's not a, a difficult thing for me
1: and with the classification, have they made it um, kind of concrete? Are now no. so or it's it so still... it's a proposal? No, it's a oh, proposal. Oh. It's very
0: much a proposal. When it was first launched, it was sort of it used different descriptors. Right. Um, you know, the pure single rum, single blended rum, traditional rum, and at one point it was called industrial rum, which is a you know the, the sort of the fourth tier on it, which is a little bit maybe a little unfair on um, on on the vast majority of rum brands. So the wording has changed. There's also how the arguments. Presented because Richard has been sort of taking this this um, this classification. Richard Seal is the one who's really done an awful lot of work on this. There's not I, I can honestly say there's not many people in the world that have worked quite as hard. Given that he hasn't spent any money on like marketing campaigns or anything, doing that, you know, it's his own time. He's travelled around the world. There's a cost to all that, but he hasn't really spent money, you know, on on tennis. So this is about an argument putting forward this this mm-hmm. argument. And uh, and having it challenged, you know, we've been at Tales of the Cocktail where people have, you know, have come back and been asking questions. And so it's been challenged. It's been maybe the wording has been refined on it. But it ultimately the whole thing, whether whether anyone agrees with the wording, you know, pure single rum, traditional single blended rum, things like that. If they disagree or don't disagree, what it has forced is people to look again at the industry and to ask ourselves some questions. You know, is it fair to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, there are, there, there are brands out there that um, have been calling themselves rum. They've been adding a lot of sugar to their rum. They've been adding a lot of vanillin to their mm-hmm. rum, i.e., flavoring. And, and under a lot you know, all the regulations, you're not allowed to flavor rum. You know, it's a little bit tricky with spiced rum. So I think we're sort of, it's almost like people are going, well, you know, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, if you write the word spiced in front of rum, it's, you know what you're getting. You've, you've got a flavored product. So right. that's fine. You know what you're buying. But it's this this idea that, People don't necessarily know what they're buying. And so this where additions, you know, adding sugar or adding other flavorings to a spirit and not telling people about it, I feel is a little unfair. I feel it's a lot unfair. I feel it's misleading. You know, you don't know what you're buying. Um, and, and and to be fair, in this world, other things are coming along. People have the disclosure on additives and things are coming in all different kinds of industries. You know, why, why is the alcohol world... You know, why is that the last yeah. world that, that fails to declare what's going on? I mean, you know.
1: Well, how about aging you know? as well?
0: So aging. Well, there's, there's all that- kinds. Of, again, you know, there, there's there's a few things. It'd be nice that there's a, there's a line that gets often wheeled out that rum has no rules. It's not true. Rum does have rules. Um Every local produ- production facility around the world will be working to their local rules. Everywhere. Everywhere mm. has rules. Um But there isn't like a, a global set of rules for rum then there's not a global set of rules for whiskey or for gin or anything like that either. So, you know, I'm, I'm, why would be there? Why, why would be there? What a terrible thing to say. Uh, why would there? Um, so the differences are that some parts of the world have different like age statements or the way that you classify age statements are there. So there are differences in the way that information is presented to consumers. But all those products all end up in the same marketplace. So you'll have rums from Barbados or Jamaica. And if it says five-year-old rum... That's the youngest component right. in the blend. You know, it's aligned with the Scotch model, and any it's aligned with any common sense model, mm-hmm. to be fair, because you can put a value proposition to it. But when you have average age, then that starts getting a bit tricky. So like, you know, in Solera, I've got no, no issues with Solera, but then when Solera comes with an inferred number next to it, you know, and I've seen it on bar menus, you know, mm-hmm. all around the world, you know, Zacapa is the most famous one, and I've seen it on menus where the person who's written the menu is added 23-year-old, and they've added a right. the year old to it. Zuccava so doesn't say 23-year-old it on the bottle. Mm-hmm. It might have done or inferred it many moons ago, but, but it doesn't now. You look on the back of the bottle, it says the a blend of rums between six and 23. Right. Of course, we have no idea what the component of 23-year-old rum is within that. It might no. be minuscule, it might be significant. No. We don't know because the brand doesn't tell us. So it's kind of like, you know, so you have to then make your own judgment call. So, you know, when, when you know, Solera's fine, if you like it, you're happy with the price, that's good enough. Yeah, you know, it's it's fine, but but there are ones where you know that where it's it's almost like there's just a little bit of information, and and they can tend to be sort of from Central America, kind of that, that sort of zone where you see a number and it doesn't necessarily add up to a something you could trust as a an age statement. So there's there's things like that that kind of bug me a little bit, and and that's sort of drives me to go like, well, you know, if you say I like this this rum. And as long as you, you're armed with all the facts that there could be a bit of sugar added to it, a bit of vanilla and, or, or whatever else, and the, the age statement might not necessarily mean that it's minimum age, if you know all of that, you're happy with the price and you like the way it tastes, well, yeah, that's it. Lock yourself out. Enjoy yourself. You know, there's nothing There's nothing more I could do. And I certainly don't want to change your mind. I might say, do you want to try this rum? And I might bring you something else to it because I think it might... Possibly develop your palate, but I mean, I just you know, but just even the idea of actually just saying that out loud is kind of like, well, who am I to say what you want? You know, all I can give is people opportunities. I mean, like yeah, last night I did a Twitter tasting. I like doing Twitter tastings. So it was like the 14th or 15th one I've done. You know, and it was an Agricole brand, and we were bringing Agricole to people that have never really tried Agricole before. I'm also conscious of I'm talking a lot here.
1: It is a podcast, and we want when, you to
0: talk. Well, it's sort of one thing's flowing <laughs> it's disjointed. It all makes sense in the end, I hope. It no, does. it's like my first tasting of cachaça, for example, and my first tasting of rum agricole. These are cane juice spirits, they taste very different to the regular molasses rums that the majority of people are used to. And so I have to say, that the first time I tried a cachaça, it was in like the comfort of my own home. We bought an inexpensive brand from Sainsbury's, and it was horrible. It, I mean, like, you know, it wasn't good, and, and it put me off. I, I, you know, I thought, I don't like cachaça. Now, if so, so when I do tastings, that I want to hold people's hands. I want to manage their expectations. Okay,
1: wait, wait. How long ago was that? would you say
0: well that would have been 2009 all
1: right <laughs> so, all right yeah. so, so, it was so all the, i was gonna like, say yeah, yeah, yeah. if it was like last year i would say no, wouldn't you have known no, better no, no, not to no, buy the no. cheapest brand no
0: so now well <laughs> see the price isn't a nec- price isn't necessarily a buy, okay all right way, not yeah. the cheapest brand
1: i mean would you have done a little bit more research now done. yeah, yeah right? and, and i
0: suppose i'm a little old school i mean i, I see you know people and this is maybe where i've I'm not kept up. I mean, I've indicated that the, my website's a right mess. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. I get, you know, I just, I just, I look at it and just cringe a bit. But then I don't really post these days otherwise. My my day job is full time rum mm-hmm. talk. I, I, my, I get my giggles talking to people face to face. That's just so, so much more. So you've kind
1: important. of taught you've taught yourself. Like I would come to you and say I've never had rum before, and you would give me a selection. Now, I hope you know to do that with Kasasha and Romab- Agricole as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. No,
0: I, I you know, I, so I, I, want to manage people because I know there's an amazing amount of spirits out there. You know, uh, there's some good stuff. And in a slightly smug way, when I hear people say, I don't like Kashasa, I go, it's okay. Just give yourself a bit of time. Just you, try might, a free, fair, yeah. you might, you yeah. might get to the end of your life and you n- don't care for it at all.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But, you know, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I don't like parsnips. Mum said, "But well, you don't really eat them. Like, well, I just don't like them, you know. And so you kind of, there's a degree of pig-headedness about things. But like, as long as you give yourself a choice. But if you understand what it is you get and why it's going to taste the way it does, maybe you can appreciate it. So when, I'm like, when I first started drinking Agricole, I didn't particularly care for a Blanc Agricole. It's It's a very, very different tasting prospect. In fact, it's almost unfair to call cane juice rum and molasses rum under the same category because mm-hmm. they're just so different. They are so different. It's actually ageing that, that brings things together. If you try an old rum, an old agricole, then there's the, the influence of wood brings the sort of flavor profiles together and you can understand it. But now I love it. You know, I, I, I genuinely love drinking unaged cachaca or unaged agricole. You know, it's a vibrancy. It's like you can taste the cane. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's interesting, but it isn't, you know, it, you know, having made the mistakes, I kind of don't want other people to suffer in the same way. I want them to understand why. Uh, why manage to say, manage that expectation of the way it's going to taste the, the way it does. But I, you know, I can get quite. I mean, you have to. After a while, you can't keep drinking the same stuff. You have to keep moving on. Some of the proudest things I've got in my collection at home, some of the things I, I you know, I'm very happy to have, are single cane varieties of, of agriculture, like blue cane or, or red cane or whatever like that, or black cane from yeah, Marigalant. You know, so actual single varieties of sugar cane. And if you can taste the difference between that, now you're tasting actual cane. You know, and and like uh, yeah, uh, Clément, the, the rum Clemen were the one that kind of find I suppose really at home a few years back um lovely lady called emily um was working around with she she was with rum Clermont she got me to try their their, their vintage cam Blue. so every year they release a vintage of you know the thing and, and and when you try two or three of these from previous years you realize that this vintage tastes different and so whilst there are other production factors that can affect this effectively what you're tasting this might be a good growing season or a bad growing mm. season or was it very wet when it was harvested because they got an excessive amount of moisture in the in the crushing and things like that so you know you start to get a sense of the land and say there's a long shoot. they've got a um, uh, uh, they're, they're a little bit geeky they don't sell it in the mainstream but they've got field one and field nine so this literally like i can't remember which way around it is i think field one might be up on the top of a hill sunny well drained the other one down in the bottom of the valley or whatever, you know, a little bit more shadier, lower set, and but the cane type is the same. The processing is exactly the same, and yet they taste very different. Mm-hmm. So that I kind of like the idea of exploring the notion of terroir in spirits. I don't, I don't get a sense of terroir from molasses runs because molasses is the byproduct of sugar production, and any sense of terroir has long been boiled out of the, the molasses. To to my uh, mind, um, I'm not saying that molasses doesn't taste. Different, I am sure it can taste a little different, but that sense of connection to land has been lost. But with cane juice spirits, you've got a sense of connection. So I've got Paranoo's at home. You know, it's a, 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 a rum made in Wanaka. You know, cane juice up in the you know, and, and it's just like I can't remember what strength it is. What, fifty, no, uh, fifty four or something like that percent, fifty six percent ABV. It's delicious. It's amazing, but it, it's powerful, unaged spirit. I mean, it's like, it, it almost, it almost doesn't taste like rum. It almost tastes more mezcal-like, to be fair. But it's, you know, discovering things like this, this is where I get my jollies now. But I have to say, rewind, remember that, you know, when I'm working at a rum festival, a good 50% of the people that come to the stand are going like, what spice rum do you got? And that's their, that's their opening gambit. Because a lot of people are into, you know, what is the, one of the fastest growing categories, subcategories in rum is spice rum, you know, and that's, that's the hook that got them in. But just remember, I did drink a lot of spice rum way back when, so, you know. It's okay. We can move people along, hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> they move along, maybe they won't, maybe they'll drink it, that until the day they die. But, like, you know, but if I can introduce some other interesting booze in the, along the way, then so much the better.
1: Exactly. Should we try some rum now? For sure. Get some out of the shelf, show- off the shelf? So. All right. After our chat, Pete whisked me down to Trailer Happiness. A bar not to be missed for any rum lover, not only in London, but worldwide. Having just spent an afternoon with Pete talking rum, I felt I had a basic education, and I'm now on my way to becoming an aficionado. And now, it's time for our Cocktail of the Week. Our Cocktail of the Week is Agri-Old Fashioned, in celebration of Old Fashion Week. Start by using rum agricole as your spirit instead of bourbon. Unlike normal rum, rum agricole is made with freshly squeezed sugarcane juice rather than molasses. Peter advises using rum JM for this recipe. So start with a rocks glass and add 60 ml of rum JM VO and then 15 mLs of rum JM shrub. Add 3 dashes of Angostura bitters. And then stir to perfection. Top it all off with an orange zest and you have the perfect agri-old-fashioned. You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Even though we didn't discuss it, Peter is the brand ambassador for Old Fashion Week which is now until November 10th worldwide. Check out where to discover your favorite variation at old-fashioned-week.com. A few weeks ago, I headed to the state of Kentucky. Next time on Lush Life, my guest is a man who created his own brewery in the heart of the U.S., using the techniques he brought back from Japan. Until next time... Bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of A Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Steven Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.